Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Clancy. I'm a very cold Connor Clancy this week. I'm just in the door from, from Parma, Sampdoria, but I have got two lovely friends here to attempt to warm me up with their with their company. Vito Doria is the first. Vito, hello, and I understand you're suffering from the opposite kind of temperature to me at the moment. Yeah, that's right. Here in Melbourne, Australia, it's going to be very hot today. So yesterday it was 34 degrees and today we're expecting 41. And it was quite hot during the night too. It dropped uh, only as low as 24 degrees. Yeah, it wasn't an easy sleep. Um, What's the humidity levels like down there? Is it high humidity or low? Look. I haven't checked for the last few days, but it felt all right, which is a bit of a change. Usually, Melbourne's quite humid, mm. so maybe maybe like Milan, for instance, right, okay. if we want to use the European equivalent. So, yeah, it's uh, not pleasant. Uh, I tend to find heat is one thing, and anything above like 37 is quite insufferable. And then when you get the humidity on top of that, it's it's a whole different ball game. I suffer in the summer here in Parma because of that, really. <laughs> um, also joining us on the line is Kev Pugzalski. Kev, it's it's good to see you. How are you? Oh, I'm good, Connor. Yeah, it's nice to see you in your rather fetching turtleneck. Do you like it? Uh, I, I'm not a fan of turtlenecks, Thanks. but of course you you look you look wonderful. Well, I don't believe <laughs> you now because I asked, did you like it, and you basically said no. Straight off the bat, I I struggle to get on board with people in turtlenecks. Oh, uh, that's a bit heartbreaking to know. But I 
as I tweeted the other day, I don't care because they keep me nice and warm when I'm going to the games, and that's all I'm bothered about, to be honest. Um, right, guys, let's let's stop insulting Connor's choice of clothing and let's start talking about the Serie A action that took place over the week. There were some good games, and none more so than one of the two 6 p.m. Saturday kickoffs, and we're gonna start at the top of the Serie A table, Kev, where. AC Milan hosted Atalanta and, I mean, Atalanta pumped them. They left the San Siro with a 3-0 win and I don't think I'm exaggerating to say that it probably could have been more for Atalanta. Yeah, they, they, they I was, was going to use the word steamrolled them. I think if they'd scored maybe two or three more goals, um, you could probably put that kind of um, terminology on the result. It was... You know, I I kind of being a, a a Liverpool fan here have put everything against that that really bad result they had when they lost five 0 to Liverpool, and they were kind of off the pace. This this to me looked like Atalanta with that same intensity you you expect from them. How they've been playing the last couple of weeks, we've got their best ever first half of a season now. What's that? Thirty six points yeah. they've got, and it's really hard because. Because of a lot of the narrative that's gone around their relatively relatively sluggish start of the season, which wasn't borne out in the statistics. What you mean that it was the end of an era? <laughs> yeah, and you, you, you've had this narrative from maybe a few people that were just concerned within their own fan base through the media. You you almost want to wrap this up as Atalanta are back, but actually they've been back or at the same level for a lot of the season, just with the sort of the waves maybe in intensity. Maybe that's it. We're so used to seeing a real swashbuckle in Atalanta. This was the first time that I can really, really recall I was, you know, impressed with them all round game. You know, there there didn't seem to be a dip within the 90 minutes. Um, and that's understandable because they got to the latter stages of the Champions League last year. We've had a very short break and we've talked on previous pods about the um, the amount of games that every club's trying to get through. Uh, in short numbers of days. Yeah, I mean, it, it, all of all of that talk was absolutely ridiculous, right? And we even said it on this podcast at the time that people were kind of losing their heads when when trying to talk about Atalanta because they've lost three games this season. You know, it's not like they, they lost five early on. But Vita, what is probably most impressive about this is that it's another game that Atalanta have played against one of the bigger teams and won. So their record against the, the top eight in Serie A this season is four wins, two draws and one loss. And in those wins, there's a 3-0 at Milan, a 4-1 at Lazio, a 5-1 against Sassuolo and a 4-1 against Roma. They really know how to turn it on against the bigger sides. Definitely. And in my view, this is probably the right attitude for any side to have. In leagues, it's good to be consistent and all that, but sometimes it's easy to think that with certain teams that win well uh, against most of the opposition, then against the big boys, they fall apart. It's easy to have that flat track bully label placed upon them. Uh, in Atalanta's case, you know, turning up against the big boys, it goes to show that uh, not only do they have the right attitude, but uh, they can uh, handle big challenges. And when you basic a team that's been on top of the Serie A table and have still managed to secure you know, the, the winter champions title, if you like, 
and they've won 3 0 Atalanta. Uh, that's a very impressive result. And I think it's also crucial to have this kind of mindset and playing style when uh, Champions League football resumes. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're dead right. And it's just so strange because usually you mentioned the flat track bully thing. That's how these teams get into the top four, right? They beat the smaller teams and don't beat the bigger teams. And it's enough for them to finish like sixth or something. But Kev, Atalanta have this weird thing with with the lesser teams. I mean, it's not that weird, I'd guess, in that if a team sits up, sits back and is compact, they find it difficult to break them down. But will it be enough? Just, just beating the bigger teams and the, the occasional slip against the smaller teams, will that be enough for them to, to get back into the Champions League for next season? I think if you look at probably the direct comparison with Roma, who have struggled against sides in the top half of the table this season, but have been getting past the lowers. It's You could argue that Eva is good, but it's where you're going to be when 38 games come round. Now, if we're in the same position and the last game of the season, um, <laughs> let's hope it is, but it probably isn't, is Roma versus Atalanta and they're a point apart, then you're going to, you're going to look and think, well, Atalanta is it's in their hands. But... Oh, yeah, I don't know if there's any real benefit for it, providing you're picking up enough points to, to keep you in the mix as the, the season goes into the latter stages. If we're really. going to look at this game in particular, I mean, it, I tried afterwards to to think about who was the standout player from an Atalanta perspective. And I tend to do this, like I'll go into a tweet and highlight a, a couple of particular performances, but I started writing one and I said, Daron, Romero, Jim City, Froiler, Ilicic, Duvan, Pessina were all excellent. And then the wingbacks were too. And then I thought, oh, just everybody was. And and Vito, this is probably one of the most complete performances that we've seen from them, particularly this season. Oh, definitely. When you can have uh, all 11 starters putting in a top performance, uh, I think that's something for the coaching staff, the players themselves and the supporter base. They can all be pleased with that. Uh, again, you know, with long-term goals and things like that, it's uh, great to have that type of performance because it gives you more confidence that you can produce those type of performances again. I was looking at the Tutto Mercato web uh, ratings and there were indeed plenty of players that got over 7 mm-hmm. out of 10. And I think Romero might have got an 8 from Mary memory and Ilicic got a nine out of 10, which is quite a rarity in Italian mm. football in general, regardless of the publication, uh, Italian player ratings are usually quite strict by those who do it. So for Ilicic to get a nine, I think it shows that his performance really was something special. Yeah, I agree. Ilicic was sort of phenomenal. Like he has been in the last couple of weeks. I think what supports the all round team performance as well was just how, much, certainly early on during the game, you can see they were playing to a plan that Hernandez bombs on yes. so far down that left-hand side that they were exploiting that right-hand side. But it was also interesting that once they had kind of exploited that as much as they could and Hernandez started to retreat a little, <laughs> not a lot, he never does, um, that they, they had a separate game plan as well. It wasn't like, you know, it obviously already worked anyway because they found space at the back post for Romero's header, although it wasn't kind of from a direct... Uh, passage of play that was exploiting Milan on the attack 
but later in the game they they had something else about them as well but it was like every single one of them to a man um fulfilling the the exact role that Gasparini had given I think it was it was a phenomenal defensive performance I mean Romero deserving of his high rating he he went to war with Ibrahimovic and it wasn't a contest and how often can you say that because the the commentator mentioned it as well which is that Ibra's always spoken about for his his technical ability his age and the goals that he scores but he's a monster as well you know he's a really tough guy but Romero just destroyed him and then I thought it was a really intelligent way of approaching Theo Hernandez who is probably probably Milan's biggest threat when, when they come forward particularly if he gets up ahead of full steam but the way that Martin Daron and Hans Hatterborn just both focused on stopping him getting through. And Hatterborn wasn't getting forward as often as he usually does. He, he picked and chose his moments a little bit more intelligently. And I just think it was it was an absolute masterclass from, from Gasparini. He just got the job done. And it was a really, really convincing performance. From a Milan perspective, though, Vito... I thought that Kalulu was excellent before he had to go off injured. I thought it was a real shame that he did have to go off injured actually as well. But he's he is so talented, that kid. For for someone his age, he does show a lot of composure and he's uh, quite a clean defender too. So um, it goes to show that uh, you know Milan do have the fair share of young prospects with a... They come from the youth academy, or in Kalulu's case, they've been purchased from another club. The identification of younger players has really been impressive in probably the last year or two. So they are they have uh, finished uh, the first half of the season on top of the table. They do have a very experienced and talented forward in Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and they've added Mario Mandzukic mm. to bring more experience. But in general, it's a very young team, and Kalulu's a part of that. So, yeah, it's great that even in central defence, they have that younger option because uh, Kia is on the wrong side of 30. Uh, Romagnoli, you know, when he's fit, you know, he's still an important defender, an experienced one, and he'll be 26 this year. But then, unfortunately, they still have um, Musacchio in their squad. <laughs> so, while he's there, I don't think there's much optimism when he's on the pitch, but if they can utilize Kalulu and once he gets back to fitness, I think he's someone that Stefano Pioli can count on as well. And not just the Kian Romagnoli. Yeah. I should say that um, obviously the Milan's Danish defender came out and released a video on social media to, to clarify how his name should be pronounced because for my whole life, I thought it was, his name was Simon Kier, but apparently it's Kier. Kier. Kier, right? So yeah. there you go, Simon, if you're listening. Um, hopefully we will, we will do you justice in, in the future and refer to you by, in the way that you prefer to be referred to. Um, See now, Kev? What was quite, what was quite interesting, because I, I, I didn't know about that, but the UK broadcaster made a point of seeing that same mm. bit of footage and must have been the most announced player on the yeah. pitch for the entire 20 minutes. The broadcaster was so happy that he now had this correct <laughs> pronunciation. He couldn't let the ball pass him without, without pronouncing yeah. his name, and it was so noticeable. I did notice that as well. Um, but to be fair, he was he was at, involved. You know, him and Duvan went 
a toe to toe a few times, and that was a that was a really nice battle to watch. You had Romero and Zlatan at one end, and then those two at the other. But look. Um, we'll move on from that. I don't think any of us are expecting Milan to just completely collapse now because they've lost a couple of games in quick succession. Um, interrupt me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine everyone's kind of expecting Milan to, to keep on going as they have been. Um, so Milan are winter champions and only Napoli twice in recent seasons have been crowned winter champions and not gone on to win the Scudetto. But Milan are lucky to still be top um, alone because Inter, at the same time as Milan lost to Atalanta, went away to Udine, where you would have expected them to get three points. But of course, when you expect Inter to get three points, Kev, they don't. And I mean, Juan Musso stopped Inter from getting all three points in this one, but Antonio Conte lost his head and got sent off in stoppage time. And it was all just very Inter, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, very, very inter um, without being too attacking, I take it, because um, you might need to go to veto because I chose <laughs> uh, to just look at the statistics on this one. And when I read uh, four shots on target, I thought, wow, inter have really entered because they've <laughs> not they've not threatened at all. I think they only had 10 yeah. uh, goal attempts as, as the statistics went down as. Um, and I think the uh, majority of the others were blocked. So maybe it, it felt as though they were getting close um i'm assuming that none of those muso saves go down as uh, as blocks but yeah you'd think they'd be able to turn over udinese away and we'd be talking about how milan have thrown away being winter champions yeah we? i mean what's what's happening vito because i i completely just forgot um that inter were playing at the same time and it was only afterwards where i remembered and thought oh I wonder what score that finished. And then I checked and saw that it finished nil-nil. And I wasn't even a little bit surprised because this is Inter and this is what Inter do. It, it doesn't matter who the coach is, seemingly. It, that seems to be the type of thing that happens at Inter. Uh, it goes to show that uh, regardless of who's there and how hard they try, that so-called Pazza Inter tag is very hard to shrug off. And games like this are proof of this. On paper, you'd think Inter would get uh, an away winning Udine, but uh, Inter do have the off days. It won't be the first, and it certainly won't be the last. And uh, the Zabrette under Gotti and even under some of his predecessors have been very cautious. So they're a team that defend in numbers and they rely on the fast players or sometimes the you know, solid centre forwards, depending on who Gotti chooses, to pose a threat on the counter-attack. So, yeah, definitely a point gained for Udinese. And, uh, yeah, um, it's a bit disappointing for Inter that... Uh, they weren't able to break Udinese down when really they should be even having enough uh, intelligence or enough guile to break down the Zabrete rearguard. Kev, Lautaro Martinez seems like the kind of player that if he doesn't score his first shot in a game, he doesn't score full stop because when he scores his first, you'd back him to get a hat-trick. But as soon as he misses that first chance, you just know how his afternoon or evening is going to go. What What's the situation there? Is it like a, a mental thing or does he just get frustrated a little bit too soon? 
Yeah, probably a little bit about the frustration. Um, if he doesn't even kind of get off to a, a decent start in the game with you know chasing players down, getting enough of the ball, um, I don't know whether it's some sort of internal desire to want to be the main man. Obviously, there are you know Lukaku. It is the sort of person you think, even if he's missed three or four chances through the game, you'd mm. still back him to be through on goal with a few minutes left and to put it away. Uh, and and he, yeah, he clearly, I suppose, agitated a little bit, or he certainly is camped did when the rumours of him going to the likes of Barcelona were circulating. Um, so maybe maybe that's where some of the frustration is that he feels he's this, you know, he's this star man, and maybe that he he wants to be that big fish in the interpon. And um, puts puts maybe a bit too much uh, pressure on his own shoulders. Yeah, quite possibly. Quite possibly. I, I don't know. Inter are just a, a strange case. I, I just seems like they are destined to always be that way. Conte come in and made the big fuss about, oh, we're not going to be Pazza Inter anymore. We're not going to be crazy. We're going to be winners. But <laughs> uh, the less said about that, the better. Right. Roma Spezia. Roma are third. They... They bounced back from what was a disastrous week, and particularly a midweek humiliation in the Coppa Italia, which we've not we've not reconvened since that until now. And look, can we just have a bit of a a bit of a laugh at this one, Kev? I can see you sitting there in a little Roma shirt, so I'll, I'll go to you for it. But Roma lost to Spezia twice, really. First on the pitch, and then secondly, they would have been handed a three 0 I don't know what happens in that situation. Does it go down as a three 0 loss, or do they just? go with the on-pitch result because anyway what happened was uh, Roma made too many substitutes because the game went to what did it go to it went to extra time and in a lot of FIFA UEFA competitions an extra substitute is allowed in extra time the Coppa Italia is not one of those competitions Roma thought it was they got two players sent off for two separate incidents within the space of about 40 seconds which is an achievement and the second of those players to get set off was goalkeeper Paolo Lopez. So Paolo Fonseca made a double substitution. And obviously, that was one substitution too many. See, that's that's the crucial bit for me. He makes a double substitution. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, yeah it's like, oh, God, you, you actually had a substitution left as well. <laughs> Um, I was really disappointed because I, I, I recorded this. Well, I thought I recorded this and it cut off the extra time. Of course oh, it did. That always so I, I, I kind of I sat here waiting to watch the last entertaining bit and then it cut out. So I still haven't seen the actual substitution being made or the last two Spezia goals. Um, it doesn't matter. They don't exist. But it, yeah. it, it did go down as a 3 0 uh, loss. Oh, it did. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know why they just think, oh, you know, there's no point in real punishing you. Twice, if you like, um, you know, because I assume those those goals that they scored get chalked off the, the record I think books so, yeah. as well for somebody, and also for the goal scorers for Spezia. So you kind of feel it's a little bit unfortunate for them. Um, but yeah, I don't think we can blame the admin staff that hadn't registered Diawara uh, when they obviously lost those points earlier in the season, um, and just put this down to maybe when we've extended the substitutions in Serie A to five and you've got this extra one extra time and then you're playing multiple competitions. These things can come around. We'll, right, but they well, shouldn't they though. They sh- and they shouldn't. And the fact that they've come around twice in one season suggests a problem. Um, Al- I did speak to Alistair. You guys will hear that in a moment. But uh, the team manager was sacked 
after this because it's his job to keep tabs on this kind of thing. And I mean, he didn't. They played. The O'Hara got handed a 3-0 defeat earlier in the season. Now they make too many subs. They get handed a 3-0 defeat. That's something that if it happened twice over the space of five years will be a little bit embarrassing. For it to happen twice in a season that's not even halfway through. I mean, that's it's farcical. It's absolutely farcical. But anyway, um, they did get the win in, in the Serie A game, Vito, which you could argue is the more important of the two. I'm not sure where I stand on that, but you, it could be made. Um, but even in the Serie A game, it looked like they blew it because they went ahead and then they were pegged back and then they went ahead again and they were 3-1 up. And then Spezia scored in the 59th and then the 90th minute, Daniele Verde, ex-Roma Academy player, to level it up at 3-3. And then Lorenzo Pellegrini won it late on. But I'm going to just put it to you guys before we go to Alistair. What do you think about Lorenzo Pellegrini? I, I understand he's causing a bit of division on the FIF pod. <laughs> uh, well, well, I, yeah, shall I start? I just, because I, 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 when I saw he played the assist, he scored the winner. And then you notice he's got the captain's armband. And he kind of just, every time I, play, I watch Roma, just passes me by. Uh, you know, if you if you take oh god no, I was going to then use Totti and maybe De Rossi as, but you know there oh, have been oh, other oh. players that have offered more. Um, and and I'm, you know I'm looking at his statistics. He's got four goals, four assists this season. Uh, maybe it's because last year he scored. He only scored once, but he assisted eleven times in Syria, which you know you you, you often kind of forget the assists because they don't register on sort of the statistics that jump out of European goals. Um, but uh, yeah, and it could just be that I don't watch Roma enough, but also don't watch them enough live because sometimes you can, you know, tell you, stay in Rome, you've got Lazio. Anybody probably goes and watches Lazio live. You see the importance of somebody like Lucas Labour in that mm. team. Again, somebody I had the privilege of watching for years at Liverpool and certainly doesn't get appreciated by TV viewers. Uh, certainly online trolls or if we call them fans um, and maybe maybe that's the thing with Pellegrini but just when you know you're watching through the for a TV screen I just I, yeah it just passes me by a bit of um, a compared to my offer to Marco Bonassi who you always seem to get credited because he scored a few goals with wasn't it Torino and Fiorentina but whenever you watched him play he was dreadful like absolutely dreadful when you watched him in the flesh but Anyway, look, um, I did speak to Alistair McKenzie just as he left the Stadio Olimpico and was was walking along the road. So apologies if there's a bit of background uh, ambient noise from the the eternal city in this one. But um, yeah, over to Alistair. <laughs> Alistair, wow. What a game that was at the Stadio Olimpico. I mean, I was watching at home with the benefit of replays and I could hardly keep up. Could you? It was a, it was a bit mad, yeah. It was kind of, to be honest, not all that unexpected that it would be um, a frantic game like that, I think, given the situation Roma were in going into, given the fact that Spezia had the confidence of having beaten them only a few days before. The thing is, it wasn't actually... Um, wasn't a good game really in the first half. It was interesting enough to watch, but there are very few chances. You know, it wasn't really a first half that 
even thought deserved to have two goals from it. It was really just in the second where Roma go 3-1 up and then um, completely collapse. And I, I say completely collapse. They had several good chances to actually put it completely out of sight. Um, but you always felt that while Spezia were one goal behind, um, they were always going to have the opportunity. So, yeah, frantic match. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it particularly un- unpredictable they ended up being that way. Well, it's an important win for Roma, given, as you said, I mean, they lost to Spezia midweek in quite comical fashion, which was just the latest in a week, a disastrous week, I suppose you could say. Um, talk us through what's been going on at the club since particularly the, the derby loss to Lazio and the way that happened. Obviously, there's there have been quite a, a few crises at Roma in recent seasons. This potentially another one, but there was that substitute in midweek where obviously they made a sixth substitute thinking they were allowed to when in fact they, they weren't given the competition rules in the Coppa Italia. It's not their first administrative error of the season either. So has a has a p- price been paid at the club? Well, um, yeah, it's been a hell of a week for Roma and it's it's mad to think really that going into this game there was a situation where people are talking about Fonseca losing his job and there being a crisis at the club, there being uh, dressing room divides and all this. Because it was only last Friday that uh, papers were talking about Roma being Scudetto contenders. <laughs> and not much has changed really since then, apart from two results. Um, they were well beaten in the derby, put in a really poor performance in that game. Obviously losing to Spezia wasn't great in the Coppa Italia, even though we know Spezia are a good team. But it was really the aftermath of that. I mean, Roman made an extra substitution, six instead of five. Got confused by the rules. Um, It's one thing that having happened, but it's the second time administrative error this season has cost them. Opening day, the season against Verona, 0-0 draw, but changed to a 3-0 defeat because they had Amadou Diwara registered in the wrong list. They had him down as an under-22 player when he just turned 23. So, uh, the team manager and another member of staff were sacked on the back of this. Um, then, team manager in particular was very popular with the players. So, players uh, the day after were supposedly very unhappy about the fact that this had happened. They were still trying to stand up for him and demanding that he was uh, taken back into the fold. So, then you have a position where Fonseca and his staff are kind of at odds with some of the senior players in the squad in particular. So essentially what it is is that um, it it goes beyond the results. Rome is a crazy place um, for (laughs) managers. Um, The expectations are sometimes um, a bit warped, but what's gone on over the last week hasn't just been that they've lost the two games before getting the win tonight, but that things have kind of gone, gone sour behind the scenes a little bit as well. And with the Freakins coming in, new ownership group started the season, they decided to stick with Fonseca and stick with uh, and, and back him even by getting Thiago Pinto in as, as an, another of his Portuguese friends to, to come be a sporting director and, and kind of back him really. So I would be surprised if Fonseca's let go anytime soon, but... Uh, yeah, he needs to he needs to take the crazy out of this team as soon as possible. 
think they've been doing better than anything this season has been beating small teams. So usually it's not quite as frantic as it was uh, against Spencer this time. Yeah, well, you kind of touched on it there with your last answer. So I'd imagine I kind of already know your thoughts on this one. But Paolo Fonseca has come in under a lot of pressure over the last week, given what's happened. But, I mean, do you reckon that it's all just a little bit knee-jerk at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I honestly think that the Roma job is it has to be one of the hardest in, in world football. Because, um, like I already alluded to, the, the expectations are sometimes um, completely at odds with, with the reality. But Roma are where they want to be. Uh, Roma's expectations and demands this season are getting back in the Champions League. I don't think anyone, mm. even if they were talking about it, uh, realistically expects them to be challenging for the Scudetto. They want and need to be back in the Champions League. They're up to third place now. Even going into the Spezia game, um, when there was all this talk and all this pressure on Pinseca, they were already in fourth place. They are on course to achieve their goals. I think Fonseca has got a lot to answer for in terms of the way he manages the big games. The results in those games haven't been good enough, even even though the performances have been better, perhaps, than, than he gets credit for. The results haven't been. Um, Roma fans will not accept performances like they had in the derby. Uh, so that's something that is now a trend. It's not just a one-off. He's been at the club for 18 months, and he's, uh, he's won three games out of 18 in, in big matches against kind of top six sides. Um, so, I, I would be amazed if it's enough to see him sacked midway through a season. I don't think you can sack a manager who, who is uh, reaching the requirements set out at the start of the season. I think if they want to make a change, it'd be more sensible to do it in the summer, um, if, if you're going to do it at all. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look at the squad he's got. It's not... Um, he's... When he, when he has injured players, he's having to rely on, you know, Bruno Perez coming off the bench or Brian Cristante or Borja Mayoral, Carlos Perez. I'm sorry, but these guys aren't uh, world beaters. They're not lighting up Serie A. And uh, I don't think you can blame Fonseca single-handedly for, for all the problems that have been going on. Alistair, thank you very much. I hope you get home safe and don't get hit by one of the the cars that are seemingly driving very close to you in Rome. We, we know how they drive down there as well. So be careful. Thank you. And I'll speak to you again soon. And we're back. And I suppose, guys, the natural place for us to go is onto the other team in Rome because Lazio were in action against one of one of the um, the most enjoyable teams to watch in Serie A, I think it's fair to say. And this was quite an entertaining game. Vito Lazio. It was um, kind of a battle of Italy's... Oh, Kev, what do you want? No, I was just going to say, strangely in Rome. Now, both sides don't usually play at home same weekend. Sorry. Do you know, I hadn't actually noticed that. That is bizarre. I, ha- I really hadn't noticed that. I had to double check. Couldn't work out why. That's very strange. That is very strange. But anyway... Um, You've confused me now. This was this was kind of a battle veto between two of Italy's contending number nines. And Chicho Caputo scored first. Sassuolo went one up. But then Sergei Milinkovic-Savic scored a belting header. And then Chiro Mobile does what he did what he does. And he won it for Lazio in the 71st minute. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, another important win for Lazio so they can uh, keep ground on the other teams who are challenging for European spots. And a bit of a shame for Sassuolo. They're not having the same sort of flow as they um, had early on in the season, that run. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, good win for Lazio. And for Immobile, I think that's a big plus for him. Uh, he's still a prolific scorer for Lazio. And um, also, you know, for Caputo, you know, at least he scored, which is good. But, um, yeah, I think it's healthy to have those two guys scoring because I think it's beneficial for the national team. Uh, Immobile, as most people have talked about, regardless if it's mainstream media, social media, or just conversations amongst friends, you know, Immobile hasn't been able to produce that kind of form with Italy. But I think in uh, Caputo, we have a player who can possibly challenge for a spot. And I think, you know, if the Euros still go ahead, he's got to be that second or third option in the centre-forward role. Do you think, Fido, that there's a risk of this game and the importance of it kind of slipping under the radar? But, I mean, Lazio were just a point ahead of Sassuolo before this. They're now obviously four clear of them, um, sitting in seventh. But this is this is a huge three points for them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like I was saying just a bit earlier, I think if they want to play European football next year and considering how close the, the positions have been this season for spots, uh, no one's really broken away and dominated as such. So um, they're seventh now, but, you know, they could have a run and uh, generate a few more wins or one of the others on top of them, they could uh, have more slip-ups. So... Um, yeah, every game counts. The Serie A table is amazingly fun at the moment. Between first and seventh place, there are just nine points 
separating Lazio, Napoli, Atalanta, Juve, Roma, Inter, and Milan. It's it's going to be a fun second half of the season with a different title favorite picked every week. No doubt. Kev, have you anything to add on Sassuolo and Lazio before we move on? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay, well, excellent. Because the next game we've got to talk about are, are Juve-Bologna. Juve beat Bologna 2-0. And, I mean, I, I guess the biggest surprise in this one was that Cristiano Ronaldo didn't score a hat-trick because it's the exact kind of game where he does exactly that. But the, the goals came from Arthur Mello and Weston McKenney. Two unlikely goal scorers, I think you could say, Kev. But two players who came in in the summer and have done relatively well for Juve so far. Yeah, McKenney, I think more than um, Artur, or is it Arthur? Artur, I think. <laughs> Ar- yeah. Ar- Artur. Um, it always throws me off because they, they've still got the H in there. Um, it was weird because it was only this weekend that I realised that Weston McKenney was only 22 years old. Mm. Um, it, it felt as though he'd been knocking around Schalke for, for some time as well and that he was kind of coming in just to. Time to goes fill a very, score. very slowly around Schalke. Well, to be honest, time's just gone very, very slowly during lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so it, it felt as though he was coming in kind of just to fill a squad role. Uh, somebody got injured, you know, come in, fill the last sort of 20 minutes or so of the of games and things. And, and actually his goal scoring contribution has been uh, excellent. And also how he has kind of fitted into the squad so quickly. Like you say, mm. they only came in this summer. Um, Ben Tancor gets so many sort of minutes, if you like, that I think it's been a little bit different for, more difficult for for Artur to come in. But and he was he was quite fortunate with his strike, took one or two deflections as it sort of skipped into the net. But um, maybe that's a not necessarily a turning point, but maybe he'll go into games with a little bit more confidence because sometimes he he you know it's all sideways passes in some of the if you like the lesser Champions League games they played at the start of the year. And maybe that maybe didn't get him as many starts in Syria as he'd have liked because he wasn't maybe being as progressive as his passing forwards to the attacking players. And, and you know, start of the season, uh, Juventus were doing that a lot and it was why they looked so sort of slow at times. The, um, the score sheet has no pictures, Kev, as McKenny will be quick to remind you after that goal. The name, the name associated with the goal is his and that is very much all that matters but we got well I don't know if it was even to us but I was tagged in a tweet basically today and I just I think it it might just be that a case of somebody has been burned too many times over the last few years but generally I don't know I think I might be starting to agree with this myself which is it was in response to one of Patrick Kendrick's tweets, actually, which I retweeted, which is how I got bundled into the responses. Um, Vito, I'll go to you first. Basically, Mike Adams said on Twitter, so I've just realized that his, his handle is at Ron Pickering, which I don't know if you guys are aware of that video on, on YouTube. Have you ever seen the, the Ronnie Pickering video? Right. Guys, you need to go and watch that as soon as we finish recording. It's amazing. And listeners, if you've not if you've not watched it, go find it as well after this. But right, so Mike Adams said, We're all desperately trying to pretend otherwise, but this weekend, I'm afraid, is a signpost towards another inevitable Juventus scudetto. 
I may or may not have changed the name he used there. Uh, might as well just accept it now. It's not the despair that kills, it's the hope. Vito, is this Scudetto Juve's? I'll be honest, I'm not convinced it's as convincing as in other years. I do agree that the hope that gets generated, because I think a lot of us people who do not support Juventus really want to see that hegemony broken just so we can get a bit of diversity, something fresh. If we're, if Juve do not win the Serie A title, I think it's going to add more appeal to the league. And he might convince a few people to start watching the league again or finally watch the league once and for all because there isn't that dominance by just one team. Um, pulling that aside, well, pulling aside the whole aspect of the hope and stuff, uh, the thing with this team, it looks like it's in transition. So if we look at Juve as they are, they're not as strong on paper as they used to. Uh, Ronaldo, look, He's fantastic. He'll be 36 soon. And for someone his age, he's still in great shape and he's still performing uh, admirably well. But if you look at the rest of the team, Bonucci is um, becoming to show a bit more signs of naivety, if you like. Cellini, his body can only hold up so much. And then the rest of the department, sure, look, McKenney and Artur, they had good games, but... Uh, I think Artur could do with more consistency and more improvement. Uh, Bentancur, when he's played, doesn't impress me. And the wide positions, I think they have their inconsistencies, those players. Not only that, uh, Kulusevsky, he hasn't been totally consistent. He has his moments, but it's not quite his Parma form. So uh, I think with all that, and then you've got to consider, at least tactically under content, Allegri, I think they were better structured and more tactically sound under those coaches. So with Pirlo, I still think there are moments, like the defeat against Inter, where probably his lack of experience in coaching big games might undo him. And we also got to consider, they've had some draws against some weak opposition yeah. on paper. So I think there are times where, you know, it's not just hope that Juve will decline. There might be some things that Pirlo and his coaching staff have to really assess if the team is still going to you know, keep dominating in Italy. Do you think Juve would accept the Champions League? If, you know, if they were to surprisingly, because I think it would be a surprise, to, to pick up the Champions League but not get their 10th title yes. in a row. Yeah, yes, it, 100%. I, like, this is why they signed Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, because it was, it was a bit of a different scenario back in, back in 96. They... I think the year before they'd wrestled the, you know, they'd won the title for the first time in 10 years. I think it was about 85 when they last won it. I think they won, I think they, I think they won the double that year, but then the following season, Milan wrestled the title back off them, but they kind of slugged their way through to a final that they eventually overcame Ajax. And then the likes of Viali and Ravinelli departed for the Premier League. And I just wonder whether they would well, as Connor's already answered, that they they take losing the title, win the Champions League, and then probably it would be almost the fulfill, fulfilment of that. And then some may pale as it maybe would have stuck around for another year. The Chiellinis would depart, and we'd we'd see rather than these sort of small incremental refreshes of the side. If the money's there, maybe a bigger a bigger revamp because obviously it was it's a different time '96, but Zidane came in that season after they. They won the league in '96, and 
It feels like they need something rather than, you know, aging superstar joins and just blows lots of Serie A away that they don't really benefit anything anything else trophy-wise. I mean, the, the near future is quite concerning for Juve, right? Because Chiellini, Bonucci, Ronaldo are all on their way out. They can't continue like this. Chiellini looks done. I hate to say it, but since that injury was last season on the first day against Parma, he's not come back from that. Bonucci, since he left Juve for Milan, has been an absolute disaster. And I know they've got Delict there and, and obviously Demiral. And there are players, but I don't know. I do think that a complete overhaul is needed sooner rather than later. But Kev, do you think that with Juve, people kind of forget the slips a little bit because we've seen them win in recent years. So like the guy who sent in the tweet, for example, I mean, are we, are we forgetting how bad they were against Inter recently and how they completely collapsed against Fiorentina just before Christmas as well? Yeah. Well, yeah, I say, yeah, because I don't think I, I don't think I do because again, because you watch so much of them or I feel like I watch so much of them and they've been, They've been so poor, even in comparison to their their dips in the season that come, you know, through playing quick successions of games or having Champions League as well to sort of um, contend with, or when they've already wrapped up the league, and then you see a sort of, you know, the performances that have been worse than that when they've not even sort of wrapped the title up and kind of slow, playing at a, a slower pace. Um, there is there is something. Need, that needs to be done there and you know the players you've just gone through the Bonucci's the Chiellini's and you've got the Buffon's they've kind of bought the best and brightest from Italy when Italy have had well you know they won a World Cup you know they were a strong national side now the Italian national side has not been really really strong as it was 10-15 years ago mm. um, so even picking up all of the all of the Italian talent you know, isn't a model that they can follow and it will get them through um, as, it, as it has done for the last decade or so. Um, right, moving on. Are we moving on? Yes, we're moving on. Uh, the game I was at, I'm just about warming up from it now and we're, what, 40 minutes into this podcast, was uh, Parma Sampdoria at the Tardini, which is sure to bring a smile to Vito Doria's face, but quite a strange game. Parma hit the woodwork three times and dominated the first half hour. But Sam Vito went in 2-0 up at half-time with what were, more or less, their only two chances of the first half. It was definitely a professional and clinical performance by Samp. And it was no means a vintage performance at all. But uh, I think it's just part and parcel of what we see of Claudio Ranieri's teams at the hard-working, usually hard to break down and uh, very effective. Uh, I do admit, though, that Padma were quite unfortunate not to get something out of this game because they probably did create the better chances in general and probably for what they could create going forward, they look like they've got more of an idea than what they did under Livarani and they probably should have uh, beaten Aldero at least once or twice. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, wasn't the night. So... Um, because of the start of the season they had, I'm sure they'll be disheartened by it. But uh, probably for their sake, I hope that they can bounce back. And once the goals do flow, I think uh, Palmer still have a chance of survival under the Versa. This but, is yeah, that being 
this game is anything to go by. It's uh, not really one of the definitely something they will feel disappointed about because they probably should have found the back of the net. This is the thing, right? Because you say when the goals come, they didn't score at home to Sampdoria. They didn't score at home to Lazio. They didn't score at home to Torino. They didn't score at home to Juventus, nor Cagliari, nor Benevento. They haven't scored a home goal since the 25th of November, which came against Cosenza in the Coppa Italia. In the Serie A game before that was nil-nil against Fiorentina. They're they're a disaster in in front of goal. They haven't got a striker. Everyone who was praising Andreas Cornelius at the end of last season because he scored six goals in two games against Genoa and padded out his statistics. I mean, they've surely got egg on their faces now. He's dreadful. He can't score a goal. Their their biggest goal-scoring threat is a box-to-box midfielder in Yurikutska who hit the crossbar today, forced Audero into it, two good saves. And then Gervinho, who, I mean, he's Gervinho, right? You can't rely on him. And it's just, it's a really bad situation. It really doesn't look good. They've they've brought in two new players. Um, Andrea Conte, who played very well tonight, to, to be fair to him. And the other left back, who, whose name escapes me at the moment, but it's... Hello? No, 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 no. They signed a, a, a fullback from Panathinaikos in midweek, a left back, which I don't think they needed because Petzala's a solid player. But I don't know, Carly just keeps keeps getting these players in. The diverse is back, but there's only so much you can do with a team that doesn't have a striker. I mean he did well last season, but Kuluzevsky was probably a big reason for that. And it's a concern and it's it's impossible to avoid that around the place now as well at the moment. Everyone's just a bit... <laughs> no one has any positivity about the team, which is a shame. Kev, do you give them any hope? No, I'm I'm really worried for Palmer. Mm. Um, <laughs> as worried as any neutral can be. Um, I just... I don't... I don't see two other clubs from those above them being worse this year. You know, I think... I kind of there's there's lots of other clubs that are, are catchable, but I think with the points that teams will pick up, I'm only really looking up to Nazi as to that, that could potentially get dragged in. But I actually, I probably I probably think Genoa and Spezia, and that's it. And you're you're looking at you're looking at free from that bottom six as it stands at the moment. And I'm not sure if Palmer's in the better of those bottom six. Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to agree. Do you know who they face next? Handy three points. They're away no. to Napoli. Um, and then after Napoli, they play Bologna, Verona away, and Udinese. And I mean, in Napoli, Verona, and Udinese, they're three teams that just get... I mean, Napoli are a better team than Parma. Verona are a better team than Parma. And Udinese just know how to get results against the teams around them, it seems. And it's a concern. It's a big concern. Uh, and Napoli have been woeful in front of goal the last couple of games, if we include the Super Copper. So they're probably going to smash Parma for about five or six. That's how it that works. Just seems it? To, it is how it works with Napoli at the moment. Mm. But um, on to Napoli, Kev, they they wore their kit, the Argentina kit, the half Ooh, Argentina changed, kit. Sorry, we've changed. We've changed shorts. Yeah, we've changed shorts and socks. Um, and oh, yeah. they lost three one away to Verona, who have been a bit. Hit and miss recently, but I mean, what is happening with with fast goals this season? Because Chucky Lozano put Napoli ahead after 
depending on what um where you get your information it was after seven eight or nine seconds um following just short of missing out on the the record that Rafael Leao set which was 6.2 I think earlier in the season against Sassuolo but they lost Federico Di Marco Anthony Barak and Mattia Zaccagni all scored for Verona and it was the Mastini who got the three points kept yeah, I think um, Verona deserved plenty of credit, but this was a performance from Napoli where they they weren't really wasteful in front of goal because they didn't really create very much. 12 shots, uh, two on target. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. So the two on target, you know, one of those is a goal. So there are other chances that are sort of half efforts. So, so I put wasteful down to when you've got, you know, uh, you know you're within the, 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 the you know, six, 10 yards from goal. Um, and you're you're fluffing it as opposed to they were getting within range and just at the end having pop shots because mm. you know because they do score so many goals you think well you know and the quality of their goals can sometimes come from long range um, but apart from that mistake and that's why they went ahead because it was a terrible piece of defending just a uh, well I suppose it's not hopeful they were aiming for somebody but when the player doesn't clear it and then Lozano takes his chance. He just doesn't hesitate. And I think he does that because it's the opening minutes because you've got nothing to lose. Mm. You know, nobody's going nobody's to blame him for having a shot in the opening minutes because, again, he's playing for Napoli. You'd expect him to, to have sort of 10, 12, 15 more chances during the game. But they just didn't create enough clear-cut chances. It was really bad from Di Marco that, actually. He, he made amends by scoring the equaliser, but that was a really poor example of, of what to do if you're defending i mean it was dreadful um we're gonna move on quickly just to get through the rest of the games Vito, i'll come to you for genoa Cagliari. genoa won one nil mattia destro scored again and Cagliari in big trouble yeah Cagliari are in big trouble and uh as our colleague uh, from fif ben hughes pointed out on twitter just got to wonder how long di francesco is gonna last there because ever since that uh Incredible run with Roma where they reached the semi-finals of the Champions League in 2017-2018. It's like his, his career has just declined. I mean, the move to Stump was disastrous. And uh, Coyote, they're hovering above the relegation zone, but it doesn't look like uh, there's much uh, improvement coming in. Even with bringing Nangalan back and also bringing in uh, Alfred Duncan, um, it doesn't look like there's much uh, sign of improvement. No, well, look, the the game finished at five o'clock. At seven o'clock, Cagliari announced that Eusebio Di Francesco had signed a contract renewal until 2023. <laughs> What's What on earth is happening there? It's a strange decision, isn't it? Very. Especially when you lose to a team like Genoa, which is uh, pretty concerning. Um. Yeah, it is. You don't want to be losing to, to teams that are around you, particularly in a lot like that. Kev, I'm going to run to jump to you for this as a, a bit of a test to see if I can see your audio line, <laughs> which is that uh, the last game that we have to talk about, I think it's the last game, Fiorentina, they, they got a big win. They beat Crotone 2-1 and Giacomo Bonaventura. It was his first goal for Fiorentina and what a goal it was. Oh yeah, it's lovely. Just uh, first time control and just don't bring the ball down. Don't try and put too much power on it. Just cushioned volley, but perfectly to go over the goalie 
um, uh, into the net. Uh, nice description of the goal there. <laughs> that was like asking someone who doesn't watch football to describe the goal. Well, you know, uh, some of the comments I get post uh, post these podcasts, some of them don't watch football, so I thought I'd describe it as uh, <laughs> as briefly and as descriptively as I could. <laughs> well, you uh, did very well. You did very well. Dusan Vlahovic got the other one. Um, and pointed at Frank Ribery, and people seemed to like that. I, 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 you know, I thought you were going to come and say just about the Fiorentina performance, and it may have just been because I was watching Roma Spezia before, and Roma looked tired at times, and the the play was just slow. And for the first time, I think this season, watching Fiorentina, certainly in the first half, there was an urgency, a sense of direction and purpose with their. They're playing, they're passing, which I hadn't seen. Last game of the weekend, the actual last game of the weekend that we have to talk about was the first game of the weekend. Benevento Torino on the Friday night kind of slipped my mind a little bit. But big, big result for Toro, Vito. They came back from 2-0 down. Simone Zadza scored a brace, including a a 93rd minute equaliser. Big result. Very big result. Torino sacked Marco Giampaolo and replaced him with Davide Nicola and uh, it was a good comeback for the Granata. And Zadza, um, you know, he does have his moments and uh, this was one of those games where he showed that when uh, he has a good day, he can make some difference. Uh, it was a through ball in particular from Bellotti for the equaliser and a very good angled strike as well on Zadza's part. So... If uh, Nicola can just turn them in just an effective unit and play both Zaza and Bellotti to the strengths, maybe there's some hope for them. But uh, yeah, like I was saying in a conversation with my father, uh, Bellotti can't be relied upon all the time. So if Zaza is, you know, scoring and if he can do it a bit more often, I think for the Granata, that'd be a massive bonus because. Uh, uh, Bellotti can only do so much by himself. He works his socks off. And I think under Giampaolo, he was just getting very little reward for it. Was it a better pass than Lorenzo Insigne's last week? Um, for Napoli? Well, you disregarded Ooh. that one. Well, mm-hmm. I, I, I think... Well, there's also the Bastoni pass to Barella against... Wasn't intended. Yeah. <laughs> ruled out um, uh, we're talking about passes Fabio Quagliarella did one today where he was running back towards the halfway line and the it was about to go out for a throw in and he just like did a Rabona pass down the line it was beautiful no one seemed to oh, pick yes, up on that it one. like it was oh, great yeah, that was that was lovely he's not scoring at the moment so don't worry halfway in he's only on 7 goals of 13 yeah sorted yeah. so if he does that yeah. again 14 yeah. No problem. <laughs> he still has Genoa to play, don't worry. Don't worry. He'll, he'll pad out his statistics then. Right, guys, um, we've we've come to the end of the podcast almost because it's time for bump bump the game. And I, I'm just gonna assume Vito, you're to go first today because that tends to be how it is, because Kev never wins. Well, there you go. Um, so we've got two minutes on the clock from three, two, one, go. Is this player Italian? The player is not Italian. Do they play in the north of Italy? They do not play in the north of Italy. 
Do they play for one of the teams from Campania? They do not play in Campania. Uh, do they play for Roma or Lazio? They do play for one of those clubs. Okay. Uh, do they play for Lazio? <laughs> they do not play for Lazio, no. <laughs> no. Damn it. Is is this player a midfielder? The player is a midfielder. Yes. All right. We're we're on to a we're getting a winner today. Okay. Is ooh. it's a non-Italian yeah. midfielder? It is not Jordan Veretout. Okay. Is it? Uh, oh, here's the classification of midfielder. Um, I'm just going to go. Is it Mkhitaryan? It's not Henrik Mkhitaryan, who would be considered a midfielder in my eyes. Okay, I think we've had him anyway, actually. But uh, have we? That's good. Oh, I don't know. I feel, feel, like, feel like we have. <laughs> no, it was that uh, mistaken player, the one who had played. Come on, stop wasting time, Vito. <laughs> All right, um, Amadou Diawara. Yeah, it's Amadou Diawara. Uh, there you go. There you go. Of course. On this week of all weeks. <laughs> yeah. When Roma's administrative. As, look, I'll tell oh, you, no. as soon as Roma made that blunder, I said it's Diawara this week. I'm getting it in. I'm getting it in. Uh, so there you go. Congratulations, Vito. Look, I'm not even keeping score anymore because you're. it's a landslide. Kev hasn't got a hope. He's not. Care. Hope. Hasn't got a hope or care. <laughs> <laughs> Kev, at least pretend. I miss when Alistair was on. He loved it. He was so happy to be playing the game. It was great. <laughs> um, but anyway, look, we're finished. Guys, um, as always, we'll be back next week. Head over to ForzItalianFootball.com if you want. <laughs> if not, don't worry about it. Kev, say goodbye. Ciao, ciao, everybody. Say goodbye, Vito. Goodbye. Kev, say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye from me.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.